John chapter 11. Let's going to do some. Let's read some of the the Bible together. John chapter 11. We're going to read six verses, then skip a a big part of the story, then jump back in um, at verse 32. So here we go. Chapter 11. It's a story about Lazarus. I'm I'm going to speak to you today. Um, that if Jesus has overcome the, the most difficult uh, thing that you and I will ever have to deal with in life, and that is death. I mean, there's not, I mean, you, I know you've had a tough week, but you're still here, aren't you? Aren't you? Yeah, yeah, just, I mean, just check the pulse of the person next to you, just in case. <laughs> but, you know, you may be, it may be tough, but the, the greatest thing that you and I will ever have to battle with and, and, and face is what Jesus has overcome. That's right. That's right. And, and that's death, right? So uh, what does that mean for me and you? We'll, t- we'll talk about that in a moment. But let's get into this story, because this story, it's not a model of, what Jesus is going to do for everybody who dies. And um, later Lazarus did die eventually, unless he's come to the second... Is there anybody called Lazarus here? (laughs) Nope. So he's not in the second service, so we can presume he did die eventually. Um, So this is not a model of what Jesus does to those who who die, but there's, there's principles. There's something that we need to learn within this great story. All right? All right, shall we read it? John 11. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. And Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Now, miss a whole section just to save time. But basically, Lazarus dies. In verse 32, Jesus is now with his team approaching Bethany. And when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. (laughs) Anybody ever said that? Jesus, if you'd have been here physically... Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. And the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave 
with a stone laid across the entrance. Hello, has anybody ever heard of another story like that? Oh, shall we read it again and then I'll ask the same question. It was a, a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Hello, Christian, is there another story that you can think of? Yeah. <laughs> hey, okay. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. And Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. And I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes, let him go. Amen. You and I know what it's like to, to live our lives with death that's around us. It's part of um, our, our lives. When I was younger, uh, a few years ago, I never thought about it much, but now since I got to 35, um, it becomes a little bit more part of, you know, Last evening, I was, uh, I, I was on loudspeaker on the phone to a, uh, a wife who, uh, she'd, been, she'd been married over 60 years, a lovely married couple, and he's on a ventilator, and so I was just on loudspeaker with her, and, and her son was there, and, and, and this man who's on the ventilator, and today they'll uh, probably turn it off, and he'll probably die today, and they're going to go and say goodbye today. Um, they, uh, this man followed Christ all his life. And today, he most likely today or soon, will be stepping into um, his eternal home. This morning, early hours this morning, I had a phone call from a father weeping because um, their six-month-old baby uh, was born in the children's hospital in Birmingham. And uh, she... Uh, and her mom ne has never left, never left the hospital for the last six months. And uh, she went home to be with the Lord uh, early hours, just 10 minutes before they called me. And all around, the, the, these two stories are uh, not unfamiliar to you, not unfamiliar to BCC. Uh, and, and then you switch on the, the news and you see what's happening in, in Afghanistan and you... You, you, you switch on to your Christian social feeds and you, and you realize that the, the, the uh, amounting, escalating conversions uh, of, of people the last two decades, suddenly that, that uh, those thousands and thousands of Christians now are facing a lot of fear. Um, in the persecuted church, death is, is all around. It's part and parcel of, of who they are and, uh, and, 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 and their life. I was, I was talking to a, a friend of a, a missions agency. They work with the persecuted church, and they work into places like Korea, and who, who was telling me this week how 
Um, he'd had a conversation with some widows in, uh, of uh, Korean widows who are evangelizing into the north and they're widows because their husbands were all captured, uh, killed, tortured, some are in prison, but they're carrying on the work, risking their life. For them, death is just part and parcel of what they do as a Christian. Death is, 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 all, is all around us, and uh, those Afghan uh, Christians are, are facing great difficulty in the days that lie ahead. And we need to pray for the Afghan church, which was an underground church anyway, um, but we need to pray for those believers, and especially the pastors. Who, um, uh, um, the Taliban have taken the government listing um, of, of, of all the identities, and they know the identity change from Muslim to, to Christian. They know who those people are, and the pastors have got word out to mission agencies outside of Afghan to say, we have been told that they know who we are, they, they know where we are, and they are coming for us. Death is, is very much for Afghan right now, very much at the forefront. I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning. I don't know your situation personally, but I want to speak into it, and I start by just basically setting the scene and saying this, that the one thing that you and I cannot handle, cannot master, cannot change is death. But we serve one who has overcome it, who has defeated it, who has stripped it of all of its power, and that death has no hold over the life of a Christian. Death has no fear over the follower of Jesus. The death has no anxiety for you. There is nothing because, friends, you know what? If the moment that you die is just the moment that you step over from one room into another room, you carry on breathing, you carry on living, and actually I think it gets a whole lot better when you die than when you were when you were living. You think it's great right now? You think you were, you know, today you were a little, doing a little bit of jig today? You wait till you get into the other side of the room. You're going to be dancing like you've never danced before, my friend. Yeah? Yeah? So, um, here's what I want to say to you this morning. Is that even the loved get sick. Even the loved. Things go wrong even for those who are loved by God. If you think that coming to Christ today, and you may, not, you may be in this place and you don't know Jesus, well, I want to encourage you to come to Christ and become a follower of Jesus. But if you think you're not going to get sick, and uh, well, look around you. We've all got masks on. If, you, if you're going to come to Christ and you think that it's not going to go wrong for you, then just pull, pull a chair up alongside a Christian who's been a Christian for a little while, and they'll just put you right that actually... You know, my, you know they, they'll testify that their life has not been a walking, victorious, miraculous, you know, everything has just been on tap experience. But their life is one of knowing that they have been loved by Jesus Christ and that they know that he loves them. Even though, even the loved get sick. Lazarus was the brother of Mary and Martha. Their home was where Jesus would 
loved to stay, we presume, because he stayed there a lot. They will provide for his needs, bed, food, lodgings. They will provide the atmosphere. Martha would run around providing all the meals. Mary would sit at his feet, just want a bit more teaching. Martha and Mary would squabble. Um, it was just a place of wonderful uh, intimacy, a place where Mary's recorded of wiping Jesus' feet on one occasion with her hair, um, just out of worship. So, friends, in this context of hospitality, of intimacy, of discipleship and worship and friendship, we've got these words right at the beginning. We've got these words, Lazarus was sick. In verse 1, Lazarus is sick. Play a man that Jesus loved, a man who he, he spent lots of time with, a man he would visit his home with his sisters. He's sick. To stress the point, to stress it, John goes again in verse 2 and says, Lord, the one you love is sick. Lord, the one you love. Lord, my brother. And John, John tells us about how she wiped his feet with her hair. John, John's setting the scene and saying, friends, this is not a house that don't believe in Jesus. This is not a place that Jesus is struggling with. This is a place that knew him, that worshipped him, that were disciples of him, that gave their life for him. And John's setting it all up, and he's saying it's that place that was sick. So I'm speaking to you, church, and I'm saying, how do you respond when life's not kind to you? When, when bad things happen, when life's not fair, when it's, just, when it's just unjust, when things break down, fall apart, when you get sick, when things get sick, when marriages just go through tough season, when you can't get a marriage, when finances are struggling, when you don't have finances, when, when you lose your job at work, when you don't get the promotion, when, when it just looks like everybody, like everybody else is being blessed, and it looks like the unrighteous are being better off than the righteous. What, 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 what's your reaction to that, friends? How will you respond when Jesus doesn't respond as quickly as you want him to respond? There's no apparent reason for a two-day delay. Jesus, the people speculate and wonder why he would delay two days. What, why would you delay two days? We've just told you. The message has begun. Why are you waiting? Why are you not coming? When God doesn't jump to your attention and do what is blatantly obvious he can do? How do you, how do you respond to that? What, what, what will you think? Will, will you still believe that you're loved when God doesn't do what you want him to do? Or are you going to say things like, God doesn't care for me? 
there's a plan in all of this. The whole reason was that Jesus was going to demonstrate and Jesus was going to reveal that the reason why I can raise somebody from the grave is because I am the one that you are hoping for. I am the one that you've been waiting for. I am the Messiah. I am God here on earth. I can do this. But the reason why he was doing it was because of the glory, the revelation, the manifestation of God on earth. And it was literally several days, only days away, when something was going to happen which would demonstrate once and once for all that God has come into this earth through the cross and the resurrection, that he has overcome the power of death, and that actually God is real. God is alive, and God is here. This whole story is about that. Lord, the one you love is sick. To know you're loved is more important than to know you're healed. If you want a quick fix, and if you want God just to click his fingers and do something for you, great, you'll grab hold of that and you'll carry on living your life. But the greatest need of your life and my life is to know we are loved. To know that there's a reason for me being here. I do count. You do care. I know you're here. Even the loved get sick. Mary, Martha, Lazarus knew they were loved. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, it's not the healing that you need. It's the truth that God loves you. Jesus wasn't deeply moved in spirit and troubled when he heard that Lazarus got sick. That wasn't what moved him. And I want to say to you, I want to say to you is this, is that even the loved gets sick. But secondly, even the lover got angry. And the lover of your soul, Jesus Christ, got angry with the hopelessness of death, the hopelessness of the situation. And in a few days' time, he would go to that cross and he would deal with it. He didn't, he didn't get angry and troubled, which is what the word is, and moved in spirit because, oh no, my loved friend is sick. When he arrives into Bethany and finds out that Lazarus has died, he doesn't begin to weep because he's died. That's not what moves him. When, when Martha expresses her desire that, Jesus, if only you got here sooner, Jesus doesn't say, ah, oh, I've just missed it and I feel so deeply troubled and I'm so angry that with myself for, for failing in that way. He wasn't weeping because 
He even loved Lazarus, as the onlookers thought, nor that he'd failed to keep him alive, as his critics had suggested. No. Here is his friend, Mary, and she's at his feet in total surrender, and she's weeping. Surrounding her are her friends, supporting her, and they're weeping with her. And there's something in their cry that deeply moves him. It's none of those things I've mentioned, but it's something within them. And the word troubled is translated, it comes from the word anger. He weeps and tears fall from him as he moves into anger. Why is Jesus so moved and deeply troubled and angry as he looks at this sister? I believe it's this. Because he's looking at what the power of death does to a person's life who has not known and experienced resurrection. He's looking at hopelessness. He's looking at people. Have you ever been to a funeral where there's just sheer hopelessness? Have you ever talked to someone who's suffering and they don't know about eternity? Have you ever been in those situations? And have you ever been deeply moved and troubled? Because that individual does not know what you know. That's the situation, and Jesus is weeping because he knows what the power of death does in a person's life, what the power of hopelessness does in a person's life. When eternity is removed, when hope is taken away, when there's a, just a chasm, a void of lostness, and uh, uh, when there's no, no sign of life and hope, and what's going to happen now? When all of that, when you see that, Jesus was seeing that, and he starts to weep because he knows that in a few days' time he's going to be hanging from the cross, and he's going to be taking the sins of the whole world, and he's going to be defeating the power of death so that whoever puts their trust in him from that moment on will never ever have to live a life of hopelessness and death but will walk and live in eternal truth every single part of their life and every chapter and everything that goes wrong in their life it doesn't matter what goes wrong in my life Jesus has overcome and has stripped the power of death Amen? He becomes angry. Church, we, we need to become angry with the hopelessness in Birmingham. We need to become angry and weep angry tears with the family and the friends who don't know what you know. They don't experience what you know. Even the lover got angry about the power of hopelessness. But today I'm telling you that we have hope because our Savior stood outside a village 
amidst the pain of family and friends, and became so moved and angry at the situation that he wept. And he knew that in a few days' time he'd fix it. The tears of God drove him to tear the sting out of death. Even the love gets sick. Even the lover got angry. Let me share this with you. Even God visits tombs. Verse 38. Verse 38. Jesus once more, once more, once more deeply moved. He came to the tomb. I don't, I don't know you. But there's a, a downward spiral that moves you from hopelessness, despair, to a place where you become trapped in a condition that's been built around your life. Negativity, discouragement, hopelessness sets in and you become trapped in a cave, in a tomb, stone rolled over you. Things may have been said over your life, divorce, death, failure, stigma, things declared over you, and you've believed every one of them. Even the loved get sick, even the lover got angry, and even God himself, Jesus, the Son of God, visits tombs, and he will visit any tomb in this place today. He'll visit anything that has been declared over your life permanent. In fact, God specializes in what man says is permanent. Because only God calls things permanent. Because he's the sustainer, creator, sustainer, the one that holds all things together. And I don't know what, what's been declared as permanent over you, but he's visiting your tomb today. And he looks at the tomb. And I think he sees something that you and I saw earlier when we read it. He sees what's going to happen to him. He sees a stone that's overlaid across the entrance. Take away the stone. We know the, 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 we know the words of Easter Sunday. Roll away the stone. Take away the stone. Roll away the stone. It doesn't matter, but Jesus is a stone remover. Right. Take away the stone. Right. This, is our, this is our message, friends. This is a Christian message. Jesus says, take away the stone. And then what happens is that you and me, man, we, we come up with all kinds of 
problems and challenges. Well, hold on, Jesus. The thing is, I don't think you understand this situation properly. Uh, uh, but, but Lord, has anybody ever used those two words? They don't actually should ever be put together in one sentence. But Lord, um, it, it's, it's nonsense. <laughs> um, if he's Lord, there's no but Lord. Yeah? But Lord doesn't exist. You know? I mean, really. And, uh, but Lord, um, let me just explain to you, uh, there is a bad smell. You know, what, who cares? Who cares, is it, when is it, who cares about a bad smell? We're not going to bring him out dead. Who cares? You know, we can deodorize him. It's all, well, who cares about what, what he smells like? What, what are you coming up with problems for? There, there, there's a bad odor because he's been there for four days. Who cares? He's going to come to life in a moment. Who, who, who cares what he smells like? Who cares about what you think about your challenges and your problems? Who cares about your perspective? Who cares about what you think around the table? I want to talk to somebody who's got a heavenly perspective. I want to talk about a king of kings. I want to talk about what he says. I want to talk about his voice. I want to talk about what he's saying. I don't want to know about the problems that you may be thinking. Oh, we need to get a little bit rational about here. We need to get. A, we just need to really understand all the ins and outs of this thing before we do the miracle. No, no, no. I don't care about those things. I want to listen to what Jesus is saying. And Jesus is saying, "Will you take away the stone? Take away the stone. Take away the stone." And then um, there's this interaction between Jesus and the Father, and it's not for Jesus' benefit, it's for them. Because this whole thing is about Christ. This whole thing is about you understanding who Christ is. And today, in 2021, we are in a world, a changing world. We're in a world that's under threat. And you and I, we need to know who Jesus Christ is, that he is not some religion that we're following, but he is real, and he is on the throne, and he is God. He is God, my friends. He is God. And in verse 43, when he, when he said his prayer, um, he raises his voice louder than his prayer voice. He prays and then Jesus calls out in a loud voice. He calls out in a loud voice. Friends, uh, when God is visiting the tomb of your life, there, is one, there are many voices that are keeping you there. But there, is a, there are times for a still small voice of God. We understand it. But then there's times of a raging lion voice. There's a time of the lion of Judah. There's a time of a mighty declaration from God over your life. Because some of you have been listening to the enemy of your soul for too long. Some of you have been just, just been submitting to whatever comes your way. Some of you have just been lying down and letting the devil walk all over you. You need to hear there's a loud voice from God at your tomb today. There's a loud voice of Jesus shouting over your life, Lazarus, come out! Friends, that's the voice you need to hear. The voice to carry out. Lazarus, they didn't carry him out. Don't worry, he's dead. We'll bring him out. No, 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 no. Friends, it's, it's your, voluntary, your voluntary submission to Jesus Christ's voice. We're not going to drag you out of your state. We're not going to drag you out of your tomb. We're not going to shake you up and down and put you on your feet and 
slap you around a bit, bring some like, breathe life into you. We're not going to do that. If you want to stay in your tomb for the rest of your life, that's fine. You'll get to heaven. And you go, well, I, just, I wasted my whole earth on, behind a tomb. And I didn't need to do that. Lazarus had to voluntarily hear. See, dead people can still hear. And you may be dead in your sin, and you may be dead in your marriage, and you may be dead in your situation, you may be dead in your life, you may be dead to things, but you can still hear a voice from God who loves you enough to stand before you and speak life over you and say, you can get out of this situation. Come to me. Come to me. And Lazarus, come. And somehow, somehow, and it's quite comical, but he gets up in this mummified, bandaged, round situation. He's bouncing. He's bouncing out of... <laughs> I don't know how he does it. But, I mean, he's laid down, and he's somehow... Friends, it's going to be difficult. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but he's calling you to get up somehow and somehow bounce your way out of this situation because, friends, you've got one life. This is not a dress rehearsal, and you've not been put on earth to suffer in discouragement and defeat and despair behind some tomb that someone has declared over your life. It's time to bounce out of that tomb, friends. Amen? Holy Spirit, you are here. You are here, you are here, you are here. God, you are here. If you're watching this online, I don't know what you normally do, whether you have a... I've forgotten all that happens right now, but I don't care. Just stay online. I don't know, I might get it all wrong and I'll be told off afterwards I should have been here to... But, hey. <laughs> God, you are here, you are here. There are people, I believe there are people behind tombs. Even in this room and listening to this message, even the love gets sick. But you're the lover of our life, Jesus Christ. You're the lover of our life, Jesus. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. So much that he went to the cross for you. And he has definitely overcome the power of death. Move, Holy Spirit, right across this room. Move. Holy Spirit, move. 